If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. All right, good morning. Praise God. Are you ready for some word? You thought I was going to say football, didn't you? Let's get some word. All right, take your Bibles and turn to the book of Matthew chapter 3. Uh, next week or maybe the week after, we're going to begin a series on the power of praise and worship. I'm really excited about getting into that. Today, I have simply titled this message, The Beauty of Nepotism. The Beauty of Nepotism. Uh, you know, well, just in case you need nepotism defined, it's where, it's where the boss man uh, <clears throat> decides that he's going to retire. And so he brings his son who has, or daughter, no experience whatsoever and just passes them up ahead of everybody else and gives them the big job. Anybody worked at that company before? Right? And you go, what the heck? What is this snot-nosed kid doing here? Now he's going to be my boss. And we've seen stories like this happen. That's not, I've been here 25 years. I'm the one that's supposed to be getting that job. Where does this boss's son come in? Or boss's daughter? How in the world? This boss's nephew. That's what nepotism is. They, they favor their son. They favor their relatives or even their close friends. But today we're going to talk about the beauty of nepotism. You know, I, as I look throughout the scriptures, it seems that our Father God is somewhat of a nepotist. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, don't cut me off already just because I started this way, all right? I need you helping me this morning. I'm going to get some information to you that's going to bless you. The Word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. It is the answer for our, our lives. It is the answer for our, every part of our lives. As a matter of fact, we live on the Word. Remember what Peter said? Where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You have the living Word. Where would we go except be with you? Amen. Amen. So we feast on the words, the Word of God. And today we're going to look at just how much, how blessed we are. You know that you are blessed? Amen. Hmm? You really are blessed. Children of God must have this understanding. They must have this understanding. It's, it's, it's so important that God's people really understand that they are, 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 are blessed. Amen. Say it. I are blessed. Yeah. You can say it right. I am blessed. All right, I am blessed. You are a child of, if you are a child of God, then you are blessed. Yes. Amen. Matthew chapter 3 and verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and are you coming to me? Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. And when he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water. Behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Anybody go dove hunting yesterday? You, can, you can't shoot this dove. He's, and suddenly a voice came from heaven. 
saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Lord, thank you. Thank you for this great day. Thank you, God, for this service. Thank you for bringing the people to the house of God today. Lord, I thank you that you've called us as a family here together today to to enjoy our Father, to enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit here today, just enjoy one another's fellowship. God, what a great thing it is to be a part of the family of God. And Father, I thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ now to be upon your people and that you would grace my lips for the hearers today. Words easy, easy to understand. And Father God, I thank you for grace to do this. In Jesus' name, amen. It says this voice came out of a sky. <laughs> this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. What, a, what an interesting thing to be a part of, to experience that, to have seen that, to have heard it. What an affirmation. What an affirmation. What an accolade from God to just speak out of the sky about how much he takes pleasure in you. That's awesome. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Well, so I, 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 after looking at that, that verse of Scripture, I started thinking, well, okay, what did Jesus do to get this kind of attention from God? What, did, what had he done? What had he accomplished uh, up to this point to have this voice thunder out of the sky? I like that. That's basically what God said. I like him. And, you know, Jesus hadn't done anything yet. There are no miracles had yet, to, had yet been performed. No sick people had been healed. No dead people had been raised. No demons had been cast out. Nothing. No ministry of any kind. And yet God says, I take pleasure in him. Now, Jesus had simply been a carpenter up until this point. He was a working man, right? He was just making a living, living his life. 30 years old. He puts the tool belt down one day at the, at the shop, walks out, walks out of Nazareth, heads toward out of, out of the Galilee and shows up at the river and says, I need to be baptized. John baptizes him and then this voice comes like, wow, what's so special about this man to have this kind of act? Like, well, we all know he is the son of God and that is why. That is why God's pleased with him because he is his son. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, I got some really good news for you today. As the children of God, when you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you become a son of God. Therefore, your heavenly Father is pleased with you. Simply because you are his. It's important for you to let that sink in for a little bit. Because if we don't, we'll start thinking that God gets pleased by what we do. And that is not how God finds his pleasure. Finds his pleasure in who we are, not in what we do. Hmm. See, if we'll grasp that, if we'll really accept that into our lives and embrace what God has done for us, and how much he, what a pleasurable disposition that we are the sons of God, that we are the children of God by faith in Christ alone then that will help us live a better life. That will help us see our life as extremely special, as really important, as significant. So when we do that, then then that monitors 
than what we say. That monitors what we do. See, it all has to work right. The foundation has to be right before the house can be strong. You know, Jesus said it like this. He who hears these sayings of mine and does them, right, is like the man who built his house on the rock. Well, we hear the sayings of God. We hear the, we hear the gospel. And the proper response to the gospel is to believe the gospel, right? That gospel that is Christ died for your sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead three days later. That's the gospel. And when men hear that, they have the power. That is the power of them to be saved. How? By simply believing that gospel. I believe that. I personally believe. I know God, Jesus died for the whole world, but I believe that he did it for me. And when you make that, when you accept that personally for your own self, you believe that in your heart and you say, that's true. I believe God raised Jesus from the dead. See, it's that, it's at that moment your whole life changes. A miracle takes place and you become born all over again. That's why the Christian terms you hear from time to time, one, born again. What the heck does that mean? A guy named Nicodemus asked Jesus the same question. He said, how can I be born again? Do I, do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? How does that happen? Right? He's trying to make sense. That don't make any sense. And Jesus said, no, this is what I'm talking about, being born of the Spirit. You're born of, you're born of your mother. You're born naturally. But when you're born of God, you're born of the Spirit of God. And whatever is born of God overcomes the world. <sighs> Jesus had he'd performed no ministry, and yet he already had God's stamp of approval. I love that. And let me say this, because God is pleased with Jesus, he is just pleased with you too. And I want to help you mama, mamas and daddies here today to remind you that you take pleasure in your children because they're your kids, all right? I know you can get caught up in the busyness of life and things, and, and, and you'll find, if you're not careful, that your smiles and your encouragement and all those things only come when you see them perform right for you. When you see that they get their room clean or they get that A that you want them to get on the report card, that, boy, they get the love and affection. But let's not be the kind of people where our kids mostly feel like we're disappointed at them. Hmm? Because they're not living up to what we say they ought to be living up to. All right? That you always let them know, I love you for who you are. God gave you to me. You're a gift to me. And I take pleasure in you simply because you're mine. Hallelujah. Amen? You watch. If you start talking to your kid like that, they just might straighten up. I have a feeling they will. And they realize that they're loved anyway. They're accepted anyway. You're pleased with them anyway, all right? That doesn't mean you don't discipline them. If you love them, you will discipline them. If you hate them, you won't. That's what the Scripture says. They need to know that you love them. I tell you what, my dad loved me so much. Boy, did he love me. I always just thought, Mom, why don't you just do it? My mom, y'all have all seen Miss Ann. She's not real tall. But she carries a lot of weight and a lot of authority by what she would say. Wait till your father gets home. 
Mom, can we just do this right here, right now? I promise I will cry. I will make myself cry. I will feel so bad. Just, <laughs> the Bible says, whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Even as father, the son in whom he delights. I delight in my children, so I whip them. I do. And I, and I don't delight to whip them. I delight in them. And so I have to whip them. But that's not the only thing that we do. We whip them and you encourage them and you love them. We always reaffirm my love to them. Heather and I have made it a rule that we'll never, ever whip our kid and say, now get out of here. Just because we're ticked off and we're not a very good disciplinarian. Discipline really starts with you being disciplined. First. The one who administers it must be disciplined. Right? There are times when I, I mean, the kid, man, they can make the, the teapot scream, can't they? Right? And I have to get that board down, and I have to hit myself first just to make sure I'm under control. Right? And the moment I feel that thing hit my leg, I go, okay, uh, okay, all right. Okay, now bend over. <laughs> Sweet child. Right? And, and I always take them up in my lap and love on them and tell them how much I love them. And, you know, my children, have all, we're all very close. And, I, 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 you know, the world's just wrong about it. They're just wrong about it. Amen. They bought into a lie. People think they know better than the Bible all the time. Uh-huh. And the Bible still stands to be true, yeah. continues on. Truth continues to reign. The Bible says in Psalm 33, 11, I, there's a reason why I'm saying this because I didn't say this in the first verse. Somebody really needs to hear this today. I really believe that. Moms and daddies need to hear this. All right? The counsel of the Lord stands forever in the plans of his heart to all generations. All right? What that means is that God's word is supreme. If we'll believe his word, despite, because here's the thing, your belief cannot be connected to what you feel. Your belief has to be your belief so that your feelings can then follow your belief. Your belief does not follow your feelings. Amen and amen. That separates the men from the boys and the women from the girls. But you know what? Because it's important that we teach our kids this because we're all that they really know of God for the first years of their lives. You know, until they come into their own relationship with God, this is how they see God. But what's sad is so many people raise their children based upon, they treat their children in a way that they feel like God feels about them. They feel like God's disappointed in them. They feel like they're just not living right. They're not doing everything they need to be doing. And so then they kind of just translate that to their children and make them feel the same way that they feel, which is miserable. Yeah. Amen. And we've all done it. We've all felt like we weren't pleasing God. Well, I know I could read the Bible more. I know I should pray more. I know I ought to go to church more. I know I need to. I don't know how many times I've heard this from children of God, from people, right? Yeah. And they feel like that God's just disappointed and he's, <sighs> you know? He takes pleasure in you. He loves you because you are his. And his children are blessed. And if you'll just accept that, if you'll receive that, then you will live in the reality of that. That's the only one way to do it. God gives us his, I love this, God really sees all mankind like that. God gives grace to all mankind. See, grace is our heavenly Father's arms wide open to us, inviting us as sons. And our response, our faith is saying, yes, I'll receive you as my heavenly Father. Right? That's us coming into his embrace. 
Salvation is not me embracing God. It's me accepting his embrace around me. Hallelujah. Amen. But he, he loves you and he favors you simply because of who you are. And who you are is in Christ. Now, are you okay so far? He is the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, we all know the scripture that says uh, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, without faith it is impossible to please God. Okay? Now, I think in the religious world, and even in my own, if I want to get religious, <laughs> then I, think, I can think of a lot better words to put there to help God out a little bit. You know, maybe help his people straighten up. Maybe help his people live a little bit better, right? I might say, without doing the right thing, it's impossible to please God. Without holiness, <laughs> it's impossible to please God. Without repentance, it's impossible to please God. I mean, there are a lot of words I, I could put in there that would make me feel good, but that's not what the Scripture says. It says, without faith. It's impossible to please him. Faith is simply trusting in, clinging to, and relying on him. Miss Velma told me last week, faith stands for forsaking all, I trust him. <laughs> I love that. Everything, your whole reliance, your clinging is on him. And by that notion, that brings you into this grace of family. Hmm. God invites all to be his children. But we all have the choice to be his children or not. He honors his gift of free will to men. You choose. This is where I stand. I take pleasure in you. All you have to do is receive that. All you have to do is believe it. Let's look over at John chapter 1 for just a moment. John chapter 1. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right or the power to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Isn't that beautiful? As many as were, oh, who were born, yeah, let's go ahead and 13, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So what this verse teaches us is verse 12 is to receive him is to believe him. Yeah. To receive him is to believe him. And to believe him is to be born of him. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful? It's so simple. I love this word right in the King James Version. It says power to them who as many as received him to them. He gave the power. And that is not the, the often used word in the New Testament, the Greek word. That is not the word dunamis there. And dunamis is the right now power to act, right? It's, it's the function of the power. But really, this, it's, it's a better word than that one. Now, that's a good word, but this one's better, especially in this context. To them... As many as received to them, he gave the, that Greek word is exousia. It means authority. He gave them the authority or the right 
to become the children of God. It's important that we understand that and that we do understand that specific meaning because there are guys out there that are preaching stuff like, you know, to them who received him, he gave them the ability to live like Jesus. He gave them the ability to do good works so that they could be sons of God. That's not what that even says. It says we have the right to become the son of God because I received him and I put all my trust in him and that gave me certain rights. That gave me a right to sonship. I'm not a groveling beggar before God. I'm a son who comes boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I understand that everything in my father's house belongs to me. Glory to God. Everything he has is mine because I'm in the family. And what that might mean, what that might mean is I might get advancement quicker than other people here on this earth. I might come into favorable situations that the average person out there doesn't come into simply because of my relationship to my heavenly father who takes pleasure in me. Whose relationship with me is not based on, well, you do good, you get good. No, you are good because of Jesus, so there you are. We stand in this constant state of blessing. That's why I wanted you to get that into you this morning. I am blessed. I am blessed. See the blessing of God as your state of being, not your goal to achieve. I mean, I appreciate the prayer of Jabez and all, but I don't live that prayer of Jabez. All that you would bless me indeed. Mm -mm. All that you... Have blessed me indeed. Oh, that I am blessed indeed. That blessing is not somewhere out there. The blessing is here right now, in the here and now. Do you see the difference here? When you get up tomorrow morning, you ought to just say, I'm blessed. Everywhere I go, I am blessed. Whatever my hand touches prospers because I am favored by my Father. My Father takes pleasure in me. Hallelujah. So much better to be a son than a servant. Hallelujah. Jesus said, in my name, they will cast out devils, speak in new tongues, lay hands on the sick and see them recover. So we see, we see actually power seen two different ways. We see in my name, that's the authority. That's the badge on the police officer's uniform. That badge says, I am the law, this is my authority, and that gun is the power to enforce that authority, right? So this this name that is above every name, the name of Jesus is our authority, and our belief puts us into action to act out that authority, hallelujah, to take over, to take dominion, to expand the kingdom of God, and to see the kingdom of darkness fall to pieces. Amen. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest. To do what? To make everybody feel good and okay and the world just bring world peace. Well, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the devil. Hallelujah. When Jesus Christ came to earth, he came here acting like it had been invaded by an evil force, which it had. We have to understand that there really is a devil out there. And we got to give him some credit. Whatever is stolen 
whatever is killed, whatever is destroyed, he's the author of. Not our heavenly father in a sovereign plan. That's the devil's work. Jesus said, I came to give you life and that more abundantly. There's God's work. All right? Simply, devil bad, God good. All right, we'll just put them in those categories. All right? I think the devil needs some credit that God's been getting credit for. What a sad thing. Accusing our Heavenly Father who takes pleasure in us. All this junk. I promise you there are people that thought this new Isaac hurricane was some kind of judgment from God. You know what I see that as? I see that hurricane blowing like Romans chapter 8 verse 19. Bring that up right quick. Romans chapter 8 and verse 19. This is so good. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Continue. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Continue. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. See, this is what's going on. Creation is, the earth is, uh, where are the sons of God? See, everything is, God has made all this about us, about the church. Today, it's all about us because it's all about him and we are in him. Oh, glory to God. This isn't God's judgment. This is the earth's cry for us. For us to rise to be who we are called to be. Oh, glory to God. So you have then, you have this. Did Jesus, did Jesus uh, accomplish what God called him to accomplish? He said he did. He said it is accomplished at the, his last words on the cross. His next to last. The last ones were, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. But he said, it is finished. It is accomplished. It is done. Mm. So he did everything he needed to do to make sure that the enemy was rendered powerless there. And the power of sin was broken. Right? And the only way that we can realize that is by faith. The only way we can experience that power and that reality is by faith. Right, So we continue to carry that. That's why you have to understand, you have, there's no reason why any child of God ought to be afraid of the devil. There's just no reason for that. People are afraid to talk about it. They think if they don't talk about him that he won't, he won't mess up, he won't mess with them. If we just don't talk about him, right? That's not going to do anything. That's, that's not a weapon against the evil forces. The armor of God is an offensive armor. Shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, hallelujah, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of, breastplate of righteousness. This is all God's armor, not our own armor, not our wishing the devil would just go away, right? If we just stay quiet about it, we don't talk about it, we'll have to stir things up. Hmm? My father, when he was pastoring years and years ago out at in West Texas, got a call late one night from a man who was panicked on the other line. He answered the phone. He said, are, are you John Holler? He said, yes. 
He said, I need your help. I need you to come down here. I'm so-and-so, I'm Dr. So-and-so, and I'm a psychologist here at the university, and I'm trying to help this person we've been counseling, and, 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 the, and are you a preacher or something? And he said, yeah, how did, how did you get my number? Who are you? And he's, he said, well, let me just tell you. He said, I, 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 was, I was counseling this, this woman, and, 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 and she started, this voice came out of her that was not hers. And, and, and it was terrifying, and she's growling and, say, and saying these horrible things and telling me how much that it's not afraid of me. And, and he said, so I just asked it. Well, then what are you afraid of? And the voice said, not John Holler. He said, what? He said, the voice said, not John Holler. He said, I don't know who you are. I looked you up in the phone book. I don't want to see if there was a John Holler. He said, so I looked and I found you. You're the person this thing's talking about. So dad said, oh, Okay. So he got his clothes on and got in the car and headed up to the university, Angelo State University. Scared, but kind of excited too. <laughs> Pulls in the parking lot, walks into this building, and there's a long, dark hallway. I love to hear him tell this story. Long, dark hallway, and there's a glow of a light coming from an open door down at the end of the hall. And as he's walking down the hallway, he sees this eyes adjusting. He sees the man, this doctor standing there, Against the wall. Are you John? Are you John Hall? Yes. She's in there. <laughs> so dad's like, okay. So he heads to that door, and all of a sudden he can feel this man right up behind him. He makes his way into this room, and there's this woman making all kinds of noises, slithering on the floor, just so he walked in there, and he took authority over that lion devil that had had her so bound Amen. and commanded it to go. And that woman was set free by the power of Almighty God. <laughs> Surrendered her life to Christ. I mean, just an amazing story. I want that kind of reputation. I want to know that I have that kind of reputation. That's st I still, you know, I, knowing that story, I still go, did that really happen? Hey, the devil's real. Demons are real, and they are really afraid of you. Yeah. Truth is, if you realize who you are, that's what scares the devil more than anything. That's what he's always trying to get your head all messed up about, all right? Don't forget, he tried that same trick on Jesus. I believe me, he's going to try the same trick on you. What did he do? He questioned Jesus' sonship. If you are the son of God, then perform like one. Right? If you're the son of God, then do this. If you're the son of God, that's the voice of the devil today, ladies and gentlemen. We feel like that we're not proper sons of God if we're not doing what sons of God are supposed to be doing. Rather than understanding that our sonship is by him and him alone. Hallelujah. Not by works which we perform. Glory to God. If you are the son of God. If you are the son of God. And he's, he's telling you that same thing today. He's making you feel like if you'll just start begging God and acting real sorry for your sorry no-account life, then maybe, maybe God will look down upon you and smile upon you. Maybe he'll reach out to you and help you out of that dark. Maybe if you'll, if you'll tremble before his presence and act like the devil, 
or you be a son. Be bold. Your heavenly Father loves you. He loves you. He loved you before you were ever even here. Before you could ever even do any kind of good thing for God. God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know why he's so good, but I sure am glad he is. I don't know why he loves me so much, but I sure am glad he does love me that much. Amen. Let's turn over to Ephesians. We're going to be receiving communion here before too long. This one, you know, we haven't forgot. We're saving it for the end of the service. As sons of God, you and I have the same power of the devil that Jesus does. All you have to do is exercise that right. Amen. It's yours. Believe that. As he is, so are you in this world. Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. See, it's what God's requirement of you is that you should be holy and you should be without blame. Yeah, but this is how. Next verse. Yeah, that's it. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself. That's how you are seen as holy and without blame because you're a son of God. God said, I'll make that possible by adopting you into the family. I'll make it possible for you to actually not look holy, but actually be holy. Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. And again, again, there's his pleasure. It was his pleasure to make us sons, to adopt us into the family. Not like, okay, Jesus died. Okay, get in here. Get in here. All right. To the praise of his glory, of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Oh, there it is. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. See, he brought you right to where how he sees Jesus is how he sees you. How many of you think that God really likes Jesus? Hmm? How many of you think he really likes you? Yeah, you have to believe that. You have to believe that. You cannot separate you and him. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Oh, okay. See, God looks at you. That means he he looks at you with such eyes of grace. Uh. For just a moment, Michael, turn over to Numbers 23. And God deals with family different than he does with everybody else. He just does. He just does. And I'm grateful he does. Before uh, we see that, I mean, yeah, leave it up there, that's fine. But let me just give you a little, little part of this story, how, how this, it got to this point. A guy by the name of Balaam was hired by the king named Balak. Everybody say Balaam. Balak. Balaam is a sorcerer, but he also gets, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't know. Arrested, I'll say. (laughs) Arrested by God uh, to prophesy to. 
Interesting, isn't it? The sorcerer, and sometimes God says, eh, I'm going to make you say this. You can speak for me. Well, because of that time, there was so much gray. The devil had the keys that Adam had given him the keys of dominion. And so the devil could just basically do whatever he wanted to. That's why Jesus had to come and do what he did, to break the power of the enemy. Okay? So that's why when Saul, when Saul was in trouble and Samuel the prophet had died, Saul went to the witch's house. Remember the witch at Endor? Doesn't that sound like a, a Tolkien book or a C.S. Lewis book? To the witch at Endor. And, and went to the witch at Endor, and they, they did this seance. She brought up this, you know, flame and did this seance. And the Bible says that Samuel's soul came up. Well, how in the world has this witch got any authority over that? Because the devil at that time had authority over death, hell, and the grave. Samuel came up and said, you did a really bad thing here, Saul. Matter of fact, you're going to die because of you and your son. And they did. They both died in battle, both Saul and Jonathan. So this man is a source of Balaam, but apparently he's got some kind of reputation that once in a while he'll speak for God. And so Balak, the king, he's the king of Moab. He hates Israel. He wants them destroyed. And so he, he's, he sees them as a number that's continually getting stronger. And, they're, and we've got to do something about these people before they take over the world. They're going to take us out if we don't take them out. That was his whole goal. And so he called for Balaam to come. Well, Balaam went and asked the Lord, well, can, should, should I go? And the Lord said, no, don't go. So the servants of Balak went back to him and said, he said he's not coming. So then Balak said, okay, well, if I send more men and more money, maybe that'll get his attention. So they came again, begged him, please come. You got to help us. We got we to beat, beat these people. So Balaam went to the Lord again. The Lord said, um, oh, okay, I'll tell you what. Only if they ask you one more time. <laughs> Funny. So Balaam, instead of waiting for that, he got up the next day and went with them. And remember, he's on the donkey. And this is the story that you, saw in, you had in Sunday school, right, where the donkey talked back to Balaam. Because the angel of the Lord started, the donkey could see the angel of the Lord and was, you know, and Balaam couldn't see it. And so this poor donkey's like, oh, you're going to kill me. And finally, Balaam's beating this poor donkey. Go, go. And finally, the donkey's like, why are you hitting me? And what's, it's, it, now that's a crazy story in and of itself. But what's even crazier is that Balaam talked back to the donkey. Like it was normal that a donkey would just turn back and start talking to you. Right? And so they had this conversation. And finally, Balaam saw the angel of the Lord himself, right? But he, said, he decided to go ahead and let him go. But he said, you only say what I tell you to say. So Balaam's like, all right. So they get there, and Balak's like, oh, thank God. So he brings him up to this high place, and they look out over this valley, and they see Israel and all their tents, and they see the whole, the whole encampment there. He says, I need you to curse this people, because I believe that when you curse them, it's really going to work, because I know you hear from God. He said, what do we need to do? He said, build seven altars, and we'll sacrifice seven bulls and seven rams. So they went through that whole process, and then Balaam said, Balak, I'll be right back. I'm going to go talk to God for a little bit, and then I'll come back and say what he says I need to say. So he did, and God, the Bible says God put words in his mouth. So Balaam showed up back down there, and there was Balak waiting by the sacrifice. Well, what did he say? He goes, okay, look out over them. Tell them. Say it. Pronounce that curse. And Balaam just started pronouncing blessing. All that come out was blessing. And Balak said, no, what are you doing to me? You're, no, you can't do that. He said, let's try it again. He said, we'll go around to this other part where, where you can see uh, an, the ugly side of Israel. So they go to this other place, and he says, what do we need to do? He said, build seven altars, seven bulls, seven rams. They do the whole thing again. He goes and seeks God. God puts words in his mouth, and he comes to this, verse 19. Looking out over Israel, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said, and will he not do, or has he spoken? Will he not make it good? 
Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. The Lord his God is with him, and the shout of a king is among them. This time Balak's like, stop talking. And he does it again. And he gets the same results. All he can do is bless. God's blessed. I cannot reverse what God has done. I can't stop it. Your enemy can't stop the blessing of God. He can't stop it. can't reverse it. He has blessed, and it cannot be reversed. Notice this, verse 21. Let's look at this. From God has not observed iniquity in Jacob, nor wickedness in Israel. If, if you want just a little bit of Bible study, just go back two chapters where that's all God is doing, is observing iniquity and wickedness in Israel. Matter of fact, so much so that he sent all these, he let all these snakes go into the camp and they start, people started getting snake bit and a bunch of them died. And then God said, okay, all right. Moses said, you got to help me. We got to kill all these people. He said, okay, I want you to take a bronze, a serpent, make a serpent out of bronze, put it on a staff. That's, that's what our medical symbol is from. And hold it up and whoever looks at the bronze snake will be healed of their plague. And everybody who looked on that rod snake, their snake wound immediately healed up and all the sickness went out of them. But God had observed iniquity and had seen wickedness. Why in the world is this prophet now saying, speaking for God, saying, I have not observed it? Well, because God deals with his children differently than he does with everybody else. See, covenant people get covenant language. See, God disciplines us. He does deal with us as a heavenly father does. But if anybody else has got something to say about us, he's going to take, he's going to, he is going to get upset about that. You don't talk about my kids like that. All right. Now I know that maybe I can talk to my family a certain way, but you can't say that about my kids. Matter of fact, compared to you, I don't see any sin. I don't see any wickedness. Ladies and gentlemen, if God would say that, listen, about the children of Israel, before Jesus Christ came and really took away our sins, how much more has he chosen not to observe your iniquity and see your wickedness? Hallelujah. Your heavenly father doesn't see it anymore. All he sees is blood. All he sees is cleansing blood that has washed away all of our sins. All he sees is that son of his strength, the son of his joy, sitting at his right hand with those, bearing those covenant marks upon his body that took away all of those sins, that broke the power of the devil forever and ever. Ladies and gentlemen, all he needs you to do is realize that is true. And if your heavenly father doesn't observe it in you, you need to get over it too. You need to quit identifying with that weakness like that's who you are. You need to quit identifying with that sickness like that's who you are. You, need to, you just got to quit identifying with that economic status because that's not who you are. You just got to quit identifying and just receive and believe the fact that you are a son of God. Yeah. If our ushers at this time would please begin to pass the communion elements today, we're going to receive this covenant meal. Hallelujah.
What a, what a great God we have. What a great God we serve. I love being a part of the family of God. See, this, what this is, this is, a, this is a family meal right here. And if you're here today and you say, well, Pastor, I'm not a member of One Cause Church. Is it okay if I take communion? There's only one requirement to, to being a part of this covenant meal. That you're part of the family of God. That's the only requirement. Only family members get to partake of this and receive the benefits of it. And if you don't know, and if you're, if you're not sure, if you, or if you know that you're not part of the family, hey, we can fix that right now. I mean, it's simple. It's simple. If you're here today and you're on the outside of the family and you want to be a part of this, I want to encourage you right now, just go ahead and receive these communion elements, and I'm going to give you an opportunity here for that change to take place. There aren't, fil- there aren't forms to fill out. Because this is all a matter of the heart. That's what God's concerned about more than anything else, is what's in your heart. Oh, and he longs to be there. He wants to be there. I believe he has a right to it. Because he created you. He made you. You wouldn't have life had it not been for him. You wouldn't be here. But you are here. And that just shows how good he is and how much he loves you. Hallelujah. You know, I've, I've been a Christian for many years now, going on 35 plus years. And I am continually amazed by the favor of God in my life. And I really, I realize today I am who I am and I am where I am because he's just so gracious. Because he loves me. Because he cares for me. And if I were to think about, even dare to think that I got myself here, I'd have to walk through a whole lot of garbage. that I know I've done, things I've said, and the end of that would not lead me to this blessed place. It's something else. It's something else that's brought me here. It's called the grace of God, that where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. Mm. That gives me hope. I don't know about you. Think about where you are. You're here in church. You're not in jail. You're not in the hospital. You're here. I think everybody in this room could probably think of a time in their life where they probably should have been dead, should have died, or, or should be permanently injured. Could be, could, could be in the hospital. Could, could be in jail if you had just got caught. A lot of the difference between us and those guys that are in jail is that they just got caught. (laughs) Is this too honest? So let's not forget about them.
This here is our way to remember. See, it's real important that we, that we take notice to remember certain things. This is something that God has called us to remember. Jesus said, do this to remember me. Because the more you remember him, the more that you'll forget about your weaknesses and your failure and your sin and your problems and the darkness and the uncertainty. Because see, that stuff wants to plague your mind all the time. It wants to spin around your head over and over again. Just play through the same old game rather than just say, no, I'm going to remember him because he stopped all of that in my life. Jesus gave me a whole nother reality, a new and living way. I don't have to wrestle with this stuff. I don't have to cope with this stuff. I can be free because I am free. If you're here today and you say, Pastor Eric, I'm holding this stuff in my hand and I'm not a part of this family. Let me give you an opportunity right here to simply do this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that he died for you, for your sins. Not just for the world's sins, he did, but believe that he died for your sins. Believe that he went into that tomb, was buried, and believe that God raised him from the dead. And the Bible says by doing that, you'll be saved. And if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be a part of the family of God. Hallelujah. It's that simple. Why don't we all just do that right now? Let's just say this. I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe God raised him from the dead. I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins. And I believe that by him I am a new creation. I am a child of God. I am accepted by God. I am loved by Him. And I receive His free gift of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. My heart is yours. My life is yours. I belong to God. I'm not on the outside. I'm on the inside. I have a covenant with God. Through Jesus, in Jesus' name. Jesus said, this is my body which was broken for you. Broken for you. Why? So that you could be healed. So that you wouldn't experience a broken day in your life. His body was broken for you. He said, this do as often as you eat it in remembrance of me. Jesus, we remember you now. We thank you that you took those stripes upon your back. We thank you that you took those nails in your hands and feet, that spear in your side, that crown of thorns upon your head. Thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken for us. And we receive the benefits of that covenant, healed, wholeness, life, and that more abundantly in Jesus' name. Amen. He also said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Right now, what he wants us to remember more than anything is his blood. That has power over all the sins that we've ever committed. 
washed them all away. Didn't just cover them up, wiped them out, erased them so that we as sons could be holy and without blame. So here's to the captain of our salvation, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If you would take your cups and you can go this way or that way and the person on the end, if you'll hold them until our ushers get to you. Thank you very much. Hallelujah. Our God is wonderful. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Can we sing, our God is greater, our God is stronger, God you are higher than above every name. We thank you that you are with us. Our God is with us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? Thank you that we have the victory. You always lead us to victory through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for a people who are strong in the Lord and in the power of his might understanding that all things are possible to those who believe. And we, as sons of God, Father God, we will reveal that truth to this world that is groaning for us, groaning for the church to rise and let our light shine. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Praise God. Pastor Brandon, come if you wouldn't dismiss us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 930 or 11 a.m and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.